Well, thank you, Brother Terry. Thank our praise team. Thank our choir. And thank all of you for taking part in our worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. The sermon I want to share with you this morning is simply uh, titled it, The Collection. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we'll look at verses 1 through 4. Last night we had our Valentine banquet. We had the best time. We had a good crowd, great crowd. I don't know about a great crowd, but we had a good time. Now we had a great crowd. We had a lot of fun. Played a lot. Of, played a few games, and and I tell you, some of them I thought I was going to have to call them down time too, but but we just had a good time laughing and cutting up. It was a good time. Had plenty of food. Had a good meal. So I appreciate Corey and Deb and. And all those that assisted those two to get things ready for us. And so meal was great. It was catered by Rising Smoke. I believe that's inhalable. And so it was, it was good. We just had a good time. And so I, I, we played the newlywed game. And you, you ought to heard my wife and I. Uh, either she didn't know what, what we had done over the years or I didn't know what we'd done over the years. But anyway, we had a good time. The collection, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper that there will be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, and they will go with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for a time that we've had to worship you and now to open your word. And Lord, uh, this is your word. It's the inspired word of God. And so we pray now, Lord, as you speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit, that we'll not be just hearers of your word, but we'll be doers of your word. I thank you for each person here this morning. Help us, Lord, we pray to put everything aside, to clear our minds, Lord, of things that might hinder us, that we might just focus upon our relationship with you today. I thank you again for each person here and for those who have never trusted you and only you for their salvation. I pray, Lord, that today would be their day of salvation where they'd be willing to believe and trust the gospel, the good news that Christ came and he died and he was buried and he arose again and we wait, we'll wait for you to come back again for your church. Until then, we pray that we'll be faithful as we live out your word in our life. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. For the past couple of weeks and for the next couple of weeks, counting today, I, we've been talking about um, biblical stewardship and how we can give with a, with a, a grateful heart a generous heart as we think about biblical generosity. And so a series of sermons today, the collection. Kind of put it in context. In chapter 15, Paul had been discussing a doctrinal issue. 
He'd been discussing the resurrection. Over the years, I've realized that people like to discuss doctrinal issues. They like to hear sermons and discuss things such as heaven, or maybe hell, or maybe creation, or Christology, the study of Christ, or maybe eschatology, the study of last days. They like to hear sermons and teaching on doctrinal issues. However, in chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Paul speaks of something very practical for the church, for the, for the believer, for the Christian. And he ends his letter with an exhortation about giving. He ends his letter with an exhortation about taking the collection. Collection, legeos, the Greek word, legeos. Uh, it, it, uh, the Greek word simply means legeos. It means to, to say something, to receive the collection, the collection, the, the legeos, which simply means that in a very real sense, the receiving of the collection in a church says something. It says something about the church. And then it says something about the people of the church. And so the collection says something. Therefore, with that statement in mind, after reviewing our collections, I feel that God has a message for us in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. Now let me remind you that the subject is giving. And that subject, giving, is a, is a very important subject to our Christian lives. And no pastor should feel intimidated by preaching about giving, nor should any pastor have to apologize to a congregation for preaching a sermon or a series about the collection. It's very scriptural and it's very biblical and it's very important for a pastor to disciple the congregation in regards to what the Bible says about giving. You see, Jesus gave 38 parables and four gospels and stewardship and material possessions um, is, is the theme of the of 16 of those. And so out of those 38, 16 parables were about giving or about material possessions. So the point is, if there's any resistance, if there's any rebellion in the heart of a Christian about the subject of giving, well, then that's an illustration of a life that is not committed to God. Now, a black preacher once said, there are three books necessary to carry on the work of the church. The good book, which is the Bible. The hymn book, which contained the songs of praise to the God of the Bible. And then the pocket book, which carries out the activities and the ministries of the church. So now it's, it's real important that we give according to the word of God. Not according to the world, but according to the word of God. And the reason is, is because our blessings from our giving, come from the Word of God. Come from the Word. Not from the world, but from the Word. And so if you're taking notes, first of all, the purpose of the collection. What's the purpose of this collection that he's speaking of? 
a question, why do we receive a collection? Why do the, uh, the, uh, those who receive at the end of the service today, why do we do that? Why do we receive this collection? Well, if you'll notice verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints. So why do we receive a collection? Well, first, for the benefits of the saints. You know, I've always felt and believed that when God's people know what our, our collection is used for, then they'll always be willing to help with the collection in regards to their giving. They'll meet the challenge to give. If you'll tell the people, I had a person tell me years ago in seminary, he said, always tell the people, talk to God and tell the people. And I've always tried to do that. And so I feel like in the past that uh, our, our people here at Mountain View, once they know what our responsibility is, once they know what's in ahead of us, they've always been great to give. They meet the challenge and they give. Now in 2020, in 2020, we established this um, method of giving that we call the, uh, the three streams of giving. Now, you notice our envelopes, and I'm sharing this because we've had some to come into our church, and they'll say, what's, what's the three streams you talk about? Well, I wanted to share with you about that three, the, the purpose of the three-stream giving. We, um, uh, as that just stays up there for a while, we have a river, one river, that's our stewardship, and we have three streams that come into our overall giving, that river of stewardship. One river, um, stewardship is that river. Three streams that flow into that river of, of stewardship. The first, first stream is our ministry stream. You'll see that number one up there. That's our ministry stream. Now, our giving to our ministry stream is what provides the day-to-day -day operations of our church. Uh, it provides uh, utilities and salaries and literature and maintenance, a church secretary, a new equipment, a payment on our building note. It provides children's ministry, VBS, the youth ministry, custodial service. It provides contracts and licenses that we have to have here at the church. The choir singing out of the books or singing by tape music. We have to have licenses, copyright for all of that music. Well, that's part of that ministry stream. We have to have insurance. Insurance is it's like five grand, nearly six grand every quarter, about close to a little over about $15,000 a year just for the insurance, and that comes by every quarter. The ministry stream is our church budget, so that ministry stream is very important. So the collection we receive, that goes into the ministry stream that goes to our church budget for the daily operation of our church. So the ministry stream, you might say, is the budget of the church. Okay, very important. Then you have the mortgage stream. Now the mortgage stream is what people give toward the, the mortgage. Now the mortgage payment is, in, is included in our ministry stream, but everything given in this mortgage stream is paid toward the principal of that debt, building this building back. And so if you give to the mortgage stream, then that goes to the principle of paying off our building debt. And by the way, the way we have it figured, if we continue to do what we're doing now, 
in four years we'll have this building paid off. And so that will be an exciting time when we, have, uh, when we see that take place. And so you have the mortgage stream. And then you have the mission stream. That part of our collection are the collection, total collection goes into the ministry stream. But on the mission stream, if people choose to go to the mission stream, that takes care of our uh, uh, local missions. That takes care of the Thanksgiving benevolence meal and the trunk or treat and the hot dog giveaway and activities for the school. You're not fed the football team or we work with the baseball team or the band or what have you. That takes, that's funding that goes to the local missions of our church. Now, our Southern Baptist Com uh, Convention mission calls us, uh, we, we give those by free will offerings. That's above our regular ministry giving. And so we have the Annie Armstrong Easter offering to give to our uh, missionaries that are in North America. Then we have the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that we give to our missionaries to help sponsor their work. Those are international missionaries all over the world. Then we give to the Myers-Mallory State uh, offering, and that goes to our missionaries in the state of Alabama to help take care of their ministry. And then we give to Operation Christmas Child. That's just something that we give above our ministry stream. And so therefore, we're to, we're to give our collection to benefit the saints, but at the same time to benefit those that are lost, which includes several of our mission endeavors. So first of all, the purpose of the collection. Now, I shared with you briefly about those three streams. So now when you see the three-stream envelope, you just fill out the envelope and you give to the ministry stream and then you give to the mortgage stream and then you give to the mission stream and there's a place for others, there's a special offering. I know someone designated a gift to the uh, video uh, ministry. That's where that goes. You add it all up, and that's your gifts. And some people give per week. Some people give per month. But we give through the three streams. Very important to know that. So the purpose of the collection. But secondly, there's a procedure in the collection. Verse 2, notice what he says. Verse 2, he says, And on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So there is a, um, there's a procedure. And first of all, giving must be punctual. Do you see that in verse 2? Upon the first day of the week. So that's today. So we'll receive a collection today. It's on the first day of the week. In the Old Testament, the Jews worshipped on the Sabbath day, on Saturday. And then those born-again believers in Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, the first day of the week, Sunday, commemorates that resurrection. And so we give on the first day of the week, which is on Sunday. And so there's, there, we have to be punctual. There's a procedure. First, we be punctual. Notice verse 2 again. He says, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside. So the church received a collection every Sunday, which tells me that giving is to be uh, church-centered. It's where we give our funding, right here, to the church. It's church-centered. You know, there are, other, there are a lot of other good causes that you can give to. I mean, um, a lot of good ministries that you can give to, but the greatest place to present your financial gift is in God's house. 
That's the way he set up his giving for us to give. And so when we come to worship God, we come because we love him, we adore him, and because we love him, we want to have something tangible in our hands to express that love. Therefore, our worship, our giving becomes part of our worship. It's not something that we just haphazardly do, but it's something we pray about. It's something that we put time into and thought into and, and discuss with our spouse, discuss with our family, because it is an act of worship. Someone has said this, we can give, we can give without love, but we cannot love without giving. We can give without love, but we cannot love without giving. Giving just kind of goes along with loving. If you love your spouse, you know what you're going to do. You're going to give something from time to time, or your children, or your neighbors, or your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, giving and love just go together. So there is a purpose, and there's a procedure. First part, be punctual. Second, under the procedure there in verse 2. Notice what he says. He says, and on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be no collections when I come. So what does that mean? First, he says this. He said, let each one of you, each one of you. Now think of that. Let each one of you. What does that mean? Some believers? Ever believer? Let each one of you. He's speaking to every believer. Note, each one of you. You believe he's speaking to you? When you read this, this, he say, let each one of you lay up aside those the way you've prospered. Does that include you? Does that include the preacher, the deacons, and everybody? Sure it does. So it's speaking to all of us. There's no waiver in any of us. So he's, he's speaking to the young. He's speaking to the, to the old. He's speaking to the rich. And you know, he's speaking to the poor. Lay aside. In Matthew chapter, chapter 12, uh, look at that just for a moment. Matthew chapter 12, he speaks of, uh, speaks of a, a widow. And this widow, I tell you, I'm not going to take time to read it. I'll tell you the story, you're probably familiar with it. Jesus was in the treasure of the church, sitting there watching people give their offering, the collection, and back then they had these big, tall, gooseneck type jars. And one was for the temple, and one was for the priest, and one was for the orphans, and one was for the widow. And so people would come by and they'd drop their change in that gooseneck jar and it'd rattle going down. They had a lot of change. Lang, 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 lang. And people would say, well, I believe I can make mine sound a little louder. And they'd put a little more in just to be heard of everybody else. And Jesus is watching them. And then here come a poor widow. And she didn't have anything, but she had two mites. That's about a half cent in her money. And so she stuck those two mites, two coins, into one or two of those goosenecks and didn't make any racket. Nobody heard it. It sounded like she didn't give anything, but she did. But it was so small, it didn't make any noise. Nobody heard it. Nobody saw it but Jesus. Now, she didn't tithe. She didn't give 10%. You know what she did? She gave all she had. So the poor can give. The poor gives. May not be much. And, and you see, it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. 
That's what it's about. God doesn't say, I give what you give, you give what I... But it's equal sacrifice. She made a tremendous sacrifice, and she was poor. And then in Luke chapter 19, Jesus tells of a story about a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and the Bible says he was very rich. And he heard Jesus was coming by, and he goes up into a sycamore tree where he could see Jesus above the crowd. And Jesus sees him up there. He knew, he knew he was up there, and so he goes to Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. Well, that surprised Zacchaeus, surprised everybody around because he was eating in the house of a Pharisee, a sinner. And so a tax collector, a sinner, and, and people didn't understand that. But he came down, he received Christ as Lord, and, and he said, Lord, I'm going to pay back everything that I've taken from anybody. You see, it changes your heart when you get saved in regards to your giving. And so that's, that was a rich man. So he had a poor widow, and then you have a rich man. So the point is, no one's too poor to give, and no one's too rich to give. And sometimes we'll come, and, and we'll pray, and we'll ask the Lord to bless our offering, Bless this offering, Lord. Multiply this offering like a man like you multiplied the fish and five, fed 5,000 with just two, just small lunch of a little boy. Multiply this and use it in many ways, in a lot of ways. And then sometimes we say this, and, and bless the gift, and we bless the giver, and then, then without thinking, we say something like this, and bless those that can give, and bless those that can't give. And the Bible says the poor can give something. And the rich can give also. So I have to be careful. So on the first day of the week, verse 2, let each one of you lay aside something stored up. Stored up as he may prosper. Literally, he says this, let every one of you treasure up a precious thing. Treasure up a precious thing. You know, in, in John chapter 12, you had this lady by the name of Mary, and she had a brother named Lazarus. You know what happened to him? He was raised from the dead, and Jesus is eating in their house. And Mary brings out this beautiful, this, this gorgeous perfume bottle, and it was filled with real expensive perfume. And she goes over, and she pours this expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus. Imagine that. And Judas got upset about it. He said, hey, she's wasting that. She could have sold that and gave it to the poor. But the scripture says he, he wasn't concerned about giving to the poor. He was concerned because he could have, that could have been put into the treasure, and he was the treasure, and he was skimming the treasury. He wasn't concerned about the poor. But the point being, she had saved this perfume. She had, she, as the scripture said here, Lay aside something, lay something aside, storing it up as you may prosper. No telling how long she had that. She was saving it for a special occasion, not necessarily, but for a special person. And his name was Jesus. And so she, <laughs> her, her friends probably would say, hey, you need to use that on yourself. I mean, you need to, you need to wear that stuff. And she said something like this, perhaps. No way, I'm not doing that. I'm laying it aside for, for something special. And the day came and she poured it out on the feet of Jesus. So here's the point. 
our giving should be like that every week. Every week. Are you giving to God the leftovers after you've made a binge to Walmart and whatever you have left is going to God? Or maybe on a vacation and you just spend. I don't know how that is. You spend and, and you say, well, I don't have nothing to give. I spend it all on vacation. And maybe you give God just a little. And maybe... Uh, uh, maybe it's a, a ball game. You know, those Super Bowl tickets, five grand a piece for just to get in a lot. Let's think of that. God's, God's money, spending it on recreation, not thinking about where it came from or anything. And so let me just make a biblical suggestion to you before we end. Rather than just treating God like another expense, why don't you just view your giving as a personal gift to God. It's not just going to be like paying a light bill day. But this is going to be a gift to God. Now, why is that? Because if you're not careful, you're just going to make out a check, not give no thought to it, and you're going to throw it in the plate, or you're going to give whenever you can, whenever you think of it, which is okay. There's, there's no priority in that type of worship. But why not? Why not just make it a gift to God? And, and why don't you just have a family meeting, perhaps, and say to your spouse, hey, um, we're going to give according to the way God has prospered us. So the question is, what, with that in mind, verse 2, with that in mind, he says, lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So, so how has God prospered you? What's he done for you? What about your health? How's he prospered you? Did he heal the sick child you prayed for? What has he done? Did he provide the home you're living in? Did he give you a job that you were looking for and praying about? What about the clothes you wear, the automobile you drive? What about your children? How have those prayers been answered? Then pray and thank him and give out of the love that you have for him. So there's a purpose and there's a procedure. And then, number three, it must be proportional. Look, if you will, at verse two. Don't, God, God didn't say how much that we should give. He didn't say tithe right here. He didn't. Malachi 3 says tithe. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the Jew gave a tithe of 10%. And then the Jew gave additional offerings, and they were tithed 10%. And so the average Jew gave about 20 or 30% of their income to the temple, to the Lord. So the point is, if it, if it seems to me that a Christian, us, I was, wouldn't it seem to you, it seems this way to me, that a Christian under grace should not give less than a Jew that was under the law. Can you imagine being a Jew and offering the sacrifices and the amount of sacrifices you had to offer, five sacrifices, and go through this law deal, but yet they gave 20 to 30%? So to me, a Christian under grace really shouldn't give less than a Jew that was under the law. I shared with you last week the standard or the foundation for our giving should be a tithe. 
And I feel that. Uh, that, was our, that was our standard. Someone has said, I mentioned last week, that 10% of one's income uh, begins gracious generosity. Um, I shared with you last week when Judy and I began uh, our giving, we used the tithe as a standard. Uh, we, we gave 10%. But uh, that changed over the years. We give more than that now. Uh, it just began to increase when we began to think of the love that we have for the Lord and his ministries. It, it, it began to increase. And I shared with you last week a principle that we use. I'm going to share it again for those that were not here. And it really worked good. It really works good for us. And I believe that it works, it'll work good for you. And I believe it's, I believe it's biblical. And it's known as grace giving. It's not tithing. But it's grace giving, and it's taken from 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4. So here's what we do. Here's, here's what we give. It is the amount that expresses God's worth to us and our faith in Him. That's how we give. It's the amount that expresses God's worth to us and our faith in Him. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. You know, the Old Testament, a tithe. New Testament, grace giving. See, and you have to understand, is it wrong to tithe? No, I really fought this. I, I'm really, I'm thinking, you know, and I'll tell you why it's not wrong to tithe. If you want to tithe, that's great. That's, that's great. But it was, a, it was an Old Testament law, but it was given before the law. The command to tithe, Abraham gave to Melchizedek a tithe. It was way before the law. So I can't say that tithing is not scriptural today because it was given prior to the law. So if you're a tithe, tithe. But the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 16, says that it's about grace giving. It's how we've been blessed by God and how he's prospered us. Then out of our love for him and our faith in him, we give. And so, that's the way Judy and I give. And uh, Paul didn't want to pressure anybody about giving because he said, if you'll notice this in verse 2, he said this. He says, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there will be no collections when I come. In other words, have everything ready. Because when I come, that's what I'm coming for. I'm taking this to Macedonia. I'm taking this to... the to other Christians who are needing help right now, you need to go ahead and get everything ready, have it ready when I come. That way we don't have to talk about collection when I get there. Don't want to pressure anybody. That's what he was saying. So God made it real simple. Giving is in proportion to our blessings and not an emotional appeal from the preacher or the pastor or something like that. Okay? Doesn't mean we don't need to know about it, but it's left up to us in our heart and our relationship to God. I'm going to close with this. It really touched my heart. It said, a man was complaining to a church member that the church cost too much to maintain. A man was complaining to a church member that the church cost too much to maintain. This was the man's response. He said, at one time we had a little boy around the house. And when he was born, he really cost us. I had the hospital bill from birth. 
we had formula to buy. We had, we had um, um, the baby food. We had baby clothes. And then it began to grow. Then we had more clothes. We had toys. We had more food. We had school supplies. Then we had the fees that we had to play, pray, uh, pay. I'm sorry. And then, then he went off to college. And that cost a lot. And then he started dating, and that cost a small fortune. But right before he married, he died. But do you know after the funeral, he hasn't cost me a penny. And the friend paused for a moment. He said, it seems to me that as long as a church has life and is vibrant for God, it's going to cost us money. The collection. The purpose for the saints and for the sinners. The procedure is punctual, it's personal, proportional, it's practical. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity that we've had this morning to set under your word and how you've explained to us grace-giving, Lord. I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we recognize where our blessings come from and that we're willing to come and give to the church that you've designated to receive the collection. Lord, that ministry might be carried on in the church, that um, ministry stream may do what is, needs to be done here at the church. At the same time, our mission stream, Lord, as we reach our local missions, and Lord, then our Southern Baptist Convention causes, Lord, as we give to missionaries in North America, around the world, in our own state. And Lord, just help us to be a vibrant church and carry on these ministries. Thank you for sharing with us today through your Holy Spirit our responsibility to give. And Father, where people tithe or where people give by, in grace giving, Father, help us, we pray, just to pray and ask you what the standard should be in our life and help us to meet that standard. We recognize, Lord, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. I thank you for each person here today for their attention. And Lord, I pray during this invitation, the greatest thing, Lord, that we could give you is ourselves. And so I pray for those who have never given you themselves. So, Father, it's not that you need funds or money, but Lord, you want people, you want souls. You died for us, and so Lord, we'll never pay you back money-wise, but Lord, we can give you ourselves. And Lord, I pray for those who have never given themselves to you, that today they'd come and say, I want to give myself to Christ, I want to be saved. I want him to have all of me, not just part of me. And so I pray, Lord, for this invitation that people will come. And then in rededication of life, or maybe a commitment in the way they give, whatever, Lord. It's your invitation. And so as we come at this time, speak to our hearts. We make decisions. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tears.
Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free.